Kathy came to us from the great state of Ohio, uh, my home state, as I always say, a great place to be from. And um, so if you give her uh, your undivided attention, uh, I think you'll be really pleased and encouraged, and you might learn something. Kathy Pence. Well, you might learn something. Um, it's true. I come from the great state of Ohio. I do think it's a great place to be from. Um, I also live here in the building, uh, my husband Aaron and I. So if you ever see me answer the door in my robe, it's normal because I just rolled out of bed and I'm just hanging out here. So I'm not some crazy church lady who just comes to church in her robe, although I would. And I've been known to do that in the past. Um, I used to complain to Aaron about uh, the way he dressed. You know, he'd have a hole in his shirt or um, dirt on his clothes, and he would say, you're wearing a rope right now, and we're at 7-Eleven. I was like, good point, good point. Um, So do you want miracles or do you want Jesus? That is the title of my sermon. Um, But first, I'm going to share a story with you, if you'll let me. Um, Several years ago, Aaron and I lived in a huge, luxurious, 320-square-foot, one-bedroom apartment. Uh, We had a good group of friends who all lived in the same apartment complex. We had uh, my good friend, Emily. I got to point you out. I got to shout out to Emily. She is also visiting from Ohio, um, from Chicago. She's an artist. She uh, went to college with me, and we lived together for a while. She used to work at Cinnabon, made the best Cinnabons. Oh, it was awesome. I I think we ate Cinnabons and fruit roll-ups for an entire year, which is why I have a million cavities, but it was the best year of my life. Um. No, but she also lived in the apartment complex. We had her in the next building over. We had someone next door. We had someone in the hall across from us. It was really a pretty sweet setup, um, a good community of people. So um, imagine a less plumper me. Um, I'm just getting home from my long, tiring job. It's extremely cold outside. I don't know if any of you have been to Cleveland, Ohio, but it is not nice to its residents during the winter time. It's pretty much just ice. Ice is all it is. It's really cold. So I'm dressed to the nine in my big coat, my boots, my Elmer Fudd hat, with the fur and the ear flaps. I thought it was stylish. I thought I was looking cool. Um, I begin to shed my layers, as I will probably do throughout this sermon, because it's hot up here. Um, and I, I get this gut feeling like just, just kind of something kind of punches me, you know, and it's your friend across the hall is not doing well and you need to go over there. So I kind of ignore it. I'm shedding more layers cause I'm wearing a lot of layers and I put on my nice warm fuzzy robe that I still wear. Um, And that gut feeling just doesn't quit. So 
I decide to go over there. I've got the robe on. I still have the hat on. I'm kind of half-dressed, half-not. But I rush across the hall. Her door is unlocked, which is unusual. Um, She usually kept it locked, even if she was home. I open the door, and there's just the environment is different. It's heavy. It's dark. Every light is off. Um, And I, I just go straight through the apartment, to her room, to her closet door. I didn't check in the bathroom. I didn't check anywhere else in the other bedroom. I just went straight to her closet door. And I mean, the air is like thick, and it's, it's pitch black. And I, um, I open the door, and she's curled up in a ball on the floor, and she's weeping silently, and she's muttering these things to herself. And... I just swooped down and cradled her and began to pray. Um, I didn't know she was in there. I didn't hear her. Uh, But I believe that this experience was a supernatural experience. I think that supernatural in the sense that um, from from the start, from the time I got the gut feeling, from going through her apartment, not knowing where she was, but going straight to her closet door of all places in the apartment, um, to the shift after we were done praying. I mean, the environment changed completely. Uh, even physically, the lighting, it, it had changed. Like, it was no longer as dark as it was. And um, this was a pivotal moment for her in her walk. Um, her mood had shifted. Everything had shifted. So I, I was like pumped. She was pumped. I was pumped. We were like on this spiritual high. So excited for the Lord. Um, I believe it was a spirit, uh, a supernatural experience, whether it was or wasn't. Um, I still believe that it was, and I still believe that it is today. Um, but I, I felt like, I felt like a demon hunter, you know, I felt like a rock star. I was pumped. I mean, this, this shift, it was like real. It, it was, it went from, it was like extremes. I mean, so, so real that she'll tell you that this was a pivotal point in her walk with God. And, and the next morning, we even, we both had our robes on. We went to the park. We're running through the park. We're shouting worship songs to the Lord. No joke. Um, this is serious. We did this. I mean, Jesus makes you do weird things. Um, I mean, I was, it was, it was cool. And I, I camped on that for a while. Um, but as awesome as it was, I, I believe I was missing the point and I was missing Jesus in it all. Um, we've been reading in Luke and so far we've gotten an introduction on who Luke is, his background and style. And then we've moved past the Christmas story, little sweet baby Jesus. We're saving that for Christmas. Uh, We heard about Jesus' baptism, um, his temptation in the wilderness from Satan, uh, getting thrown out, almost killed in his hometown uh, just last week from Mike. And um, today we're going to be looking more into Jesus' life and his ministry. So if I ask you all what or who we've been learning about 
the past few weeks, you can give that typical Sunday school answer and actually be right. So who have we been learning about? Jesus. Oh, so good. You guys are so good. Gold star. Gold star for you. Very good, boys and girls. Um, So let's start reading in Luke chapter 4, 31 through 44. Um, You can pull out your Bibles if you have them or your smartphone. Just no texting. No, just kidding. If you text, that's okay. I won't judge you. Uh, Yeah, only secretly to myself. Um, We're going to read through it in its entirety, and then I'll go back through it a little bit slower, verse by verse. So then he, Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching, because his words had authority. In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are. With authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, Demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So if we go back to verse 31. um, Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. And on the Sabbath, he taught the people. I think this is amazing. I'll stop right there. Um, This is presumably after getting thrown out of his hometown. There was an attempt on his life. If you remember, last week Mike spoke about this. Um, He was talking about how prophets aren't accepted in their hometown. They were furious. They ran him to the edge of the cliff, and Jesus just casually walks through the crowd and kind of uh, gets himself out of that situation, which I think is pretty cool and probably a miracle in and of itself. That's what I believe. But this is presumably after getting thrown out of his hometown. I say presumably because we don't know the chronological order, but it does say in verse 31, then he went down to Capernaum, which is after something. Um, I just think that 
that this is an incredible show of perseverance. I mean, he's, he's gone through the ringer. Before that, he's in the wilderness for 40 days, getting tempted, and then he's, someone's going to try to kill him, and he goes to the synagogue to teach. I don't think that I would want to do that, but then again, I'm not God. You probably should all be thankful for that. Um, the, the fact that he's going to teach, I think is just... I think it's Jesus saying, I have a purpose. I won't lose sight of why I'm here. And it shows like an incredible amount of confidence. Verse 32, they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. Here we see his word, this word amazed again. We saw it last week with Mike. Whether they were astonished or shocked or impressed, these people were able to acknowledge Jesus' authority, and they were amazed by it. At the time, uh, rabbis weren't really known for their originality. Um, they, they would typically cite their teachers before them. Man, I wish I remember what Kimberly told me this afternoon. Is it uh, Hishma or something? Craig, do you know? something where you you can get permission to to kind of add your own flavor to it to the teachings anyway she shared something it was a great little nugget talk to Kimberly Hyde uh, if you want to learn about that but um, the point is that they didn't they didn't typically you know have these rabbis that would speak with such passion and speak so boldly so this is kind of a new thing for them So you could see how they would be amazed um, at the way he taught. Verse 33, in the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all, and came out without injuring him. This is so interesting because right off the top, the demon knows who Jesus is. And he acknowledges that. It says the demon cried out, which would indicate that there's an element of fear. He was afraid. Um, But even though he acknowledges who Jesus is, it, it doesn't mean that it's accompanied with any kind of faith or hope. Um... James 2.19, kind of a couple slides, says, um, You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. The demon reacted to Jesus' authority. And Jesus is right on point. Jesus is stern. He says basically two things. Be quiet and get out. I think Jesus' main objective here is not slaying the demon, That probably would have been my main objective because I like, you know, badassery kind of things like that. But Jesus' main objective is not slaying the demon, but it is the man who is possessed by the demon. Jesus loved this man. Jesus was focused. The demon throws a little temper tantrum, throws the man down, but he knew better than to harm him. That man came out unharmed, uninjured. 
36, all the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. So again, the people were amazed. Here's this word, amazed. Jesus was teaching. He was using his words. Um, He wasn't doing anything crazy. He wasn't knocking on every door, uh, trying to get people to change their lives. He wasn't feeding every homeless person. He wasn't doing these, you know, I'm going to social justice the crap out of you. You know, he was teaching pretty mundane, right? Um, Jesus's authority is in the Holy Spirit. And the people were edified by this. And they began to spread the word about him. Uh, Jesus didn't have to spread the word about him. Um, the people saw that in him, and they, they spread the word about him. Verse 38, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. Um, there's a couple interesting nuggets in this verse. Um, again, Jesus is kind of, he's had a, a pretty eventful day. Uh, and I don't know, we don't know why he's going to Simon's house, whether he was invited or he just showed up or he just loved Simon, just wanted to hang out, get some rest, whatever it is. Then after the synagogue, Jesus goes to Simon's house. And right off the bat, they ask Jesus to help. I don't think they would have asked him to help if they didn't believe he could help. I wouldn't ask Aaron, my husband, to go to my job and do my job because he doesn't know all the details and complexities of the job. I would, however, ask Aaron to fix the toilet, help me change my oil. I kind of gave him a nod this morning like, that's a tip for you (laughs) later. But he's not here right now, so I can't rub it in his face again. I would ask him to do that. I'm confident in his abilities to do that. Um, I know he can help me with that. And uh, these people knew that Jesus could help them heal Simon's mother-in-law. It's also interesting that Luke mentions it's a high fever. In the other Gospels, they don't necessarily mention it's a high fever or even that it's a fever at all. Um, And when we think of fever, it's no big deal. Pop a Tylenol, get a cold compress, watch some episodes of Saved by the Bell, you're good to go, right? That's what I do. I'm sure that's what you all do. Evan? Yes. I figured. Uh, But fevers are usually associated with some sort of infection, viral or bacterial or whatever. There's an infection. It's trying to push it out of your body. And even in the 1800s, there was the scarlet fever. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of that. It caused a death rate of 100 to 150,000 people. It's pretty serious stuff. So imagine this woman, well before the 1800s, 
with a high fever, most likely she was on her deathbed. She was probably highly contagious um, if there was some sort of infection associated with her. Uh, In verse 39, Jesus bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. So beautiful that not only did he heal her, but he did it with such care. He bent over. If she was highly contagious, you know, you're not going to even want to be in the same room, let alone get that close to her. Uh, What stands out to me in that passage in verse 39 is her reaction. She got up at once and began to wait on them. I'm so amazed by this. I don't think I would have done that. I, I'm a processor. It takes, me, it takes me a while to process verbally. I've I got to talk things out. I've got to talk out my emotions. I tend to do this with people who don't want to hear it, and it takes me hours. So if you ask me how I'm doing, plan to stay <laughs> there for a few minutes at least, if not a couple hours. Um, I think she was so grateful that this was the only logical thing for her to do, was to get up and show her gratitude. Totally. Yeah. Jesus doesn't half-ass it. He does not. If he's going to heal you, he's going to heal you. Totally, 100%. And uh, I think, oh, man, I just think it's so great. I mean, there, it could, sure, it could have been a cultural thing. Women, you know, were expected to take care of the men in that way. I don't think they would expect even a woman, if she was on her deathbed, to get up and serve them right away. I don't think that was the case. But whatever the case, her reaction is still incredible. Uh, Verse 40, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. So you got people coming out of the woodwork now. you got them coming out from every angle. And why wouldn't they? If they're hearing this and news is spreading, and they're hearing that this woman was like totally healed, not just a little bit, totally. I mean, and not to mention the, the demon-possessed man from earlier. I mean, people were getting word about this. Everyone wanted to experience these miracles. All wanted to be healed. Jesus not only shows his authority through these healings, but he shows his authority through his compassion and his tenderness, too. According to the Tyndale New Testament commentary, it was a highly unusual procedure for a rabbi to lay hands on the sick. It's not found anywhere in the Old Testament nor in rabbinic literature. Jesus loved these people so much. He didn't care. If he were to get sick, you know, he, he was doing things his own way. And I think that's so cool. There is, there is a, a reason why they came at sunset. It was the Sabbath, you know, according to Jewish laws, if they had come 
you know, during the day on the Sabbath, they would have been highly looked down upon, probably gotten some lashings, I don't know, of something, if not at least some very stern looks. Not okay. Um, but they came to him. They wanted this. They wanted the. They wanted to experience the healings. They, if anything, if they didn't see that Jesus loved them, they acknowledged his authority. And again, Jesus is not allowing the demons to speak. Uh, for me, when I first read this, I thought I got acid reflux. Um, Sorry, I'm like, i got to pause. Uh, when I first read this, though, I thought any recognition is good recognition, right? Even if it's from a demon. Like, any publicity is good publicity. Why don't you just spread the word? I thought that when I first read it, but um, I'm selfish, and Jesus is not. Uh, But no, Jesus is the one that decides to reveal himself when he wants to. People should come to Jesus on account of his name, his words, and his deeds, not the demons. If Jesus had allowed the demons to advertise for him, I think it would have been a mess, if you can imagine. It probably would have even ticked the Pharisees and the religious leaders off sooner Uh, And they would have rallied the troops to crucify Jesus, um, even though that was the plan for Jesus to die for us anyways. It was going to be in God's timing, not not the demons. Um, And also, I'm sure that this was a a common enough occurrence. Like, these people weren't like, whoa, demon-possessed. This is so weird. I've never seen it. Like, they weren't reacting to that. It probably happened pretty common. And before Jesus, there was probably a sense of authority that the demons had on them. I'm sure there was fear. I'm sure they kind of recognized that. And Jesus was like, no, 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 no. It's in my authority. Um, so I'm sure there's another reason why they were amazed at that. 42, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. I would have also tried to keep Jesus from leaving, because, duh. (laughs) He's, like, doing these awesome things, and, I mean, I could just keep him around any time I got a cold, or whatever, and just, you know, he'd be my little healer. He'd be my little Tylenol pack, you know. Um, But Jesus doesn't stay, as we learn in verse 43. Uh, But what's interesting about 42, I'll stay on this just for another minute, is uh, Jesus went to a solitary place. He did this often. He continually sought quiet time and sought the Father in all things. He did this throughout scripture. Uh, This isn't the first time. He did this before he was crucified in the garden. He did this um, before the wilderness and before the boat and the storm. Um, Jesus sought the Father in all things. And I think it's important for us 
to follow this example because we can get swept up in the daily grind and we can miss God. And as mundane and simple as it sounds, we've, we've got to seek the Lord. We've got to spend time in quiet and, um, and just seek him in that. Um, verse 43, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Jesus was sent to proclaim the good news. He had a purpose and he fulfilled that purpose and it's been done. It's already been done. So don't worry. He came, he saw, he conquered. Um, and, and that's what these miracles were pointing to. Jesus was saying, it's not about, it's not just about the miracles. I love this passage. I shared the story earlier of me as a warrior in my robe because it was awesome. I felt awesome. And in fact, the imagery still brings me comfort and confidence today. Um, I, I, I feel like this robe is a coat of armor and that Elmer Fudd hat is this impenetrable helmet that no one can get through. And I've added other things like a flaming sword, you know, but the imagery brings me comfort and confidence. Um, but I camped on it for a while. Uh, the feeling of it all, the sensationalism of it. I think if I had continued to dwell on that, I would have missed the point. Now, when it brings me comfort and confidence, I recognize that it's in his authority. And it's nothing about me. It's not even about that actual event. That event was <coughs> was cool. Good things happen. But God is doing stuff now. He didn't come to just do the miracles. He stated that in verse 43... He stated that in verse 43. There's no, that was it, period. Uh, otherwise, that's all that would have happened. He would have come, done miracles, left, which would suck, I think. I think many of us here at SCUM are at a point in our walk with God that is neither high nor low. But we're kind of at a lull. Uh, I shared this this morning, and uh, Larry Pombianco shared this last week. We were talking about it. And I don't know if any of you have ever surfed. Has anyone ever surfed? Surfed? I've never surfed. But catching a wave is pretty cool, right? That's like the point is to catch a wave. Okay. Yeah. So you catch the wave, you ride that wave, and, and it crashes into the shore. But there's this moment as, as it's on the shore that it just kind of waits there. It's a lull. And then it goes back, and hopefully you can catch another wave. And I think that, uh, I think we're at that point, a lot of us at least. Some of us. Some of us are exhausted. We feel empty, even motionless. I'm tired. I'm really tired. If you ask me how I'm feeling, it's going to be the same thing, different day. I got hot lava in my chest. I put my phone in the freezer. 
and I can't feel my right butt cheek. It's not, it is not glamorous. I don't feel that I'm at a spiritual high in my life right now. I'm kind of in between. I don't feel bad either. You know, of course, being pregnant is cool. This is, you know, this is going to bring forth something beautiful. But right now, I don't get to see him. I just get to feel all the effects of him kicking me in my bladder, you know, in my ribs. Um, So nothing big is happening. But that's okay. It's okay that I can't feel my right butt cheek. Don't minimize your relationship with Jesus because nothing big is happening. I mean, don't get me wrong. Miracles are awesome. And they're legit. And God has and he will. He is doing miracles. He's doing big stuff. But it's at his will that he does that. It's in his name that these things happen. We were made by God and for God. I think people want the goosebumps. They want to be rock stars. We want to be rock stars in our jobs. We want to be rock stars in our relationships, in our passions, in our efforts to change the world, social justice. We want to be rock stars. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, We live by faith and not by sight. Are you walking by faith? Because you don't need a miracle to believe in God and follow him. If you're sitting there hoping for what was or focused on the big, I think you're going to miss it. Jesus is right here, right now. Worship him. I might not be able to feel my butt because of my sciatic nerve pregnancy jacked it all up. But I am praising the father for this little baby boy. It is a gift from him. His provision over me is amazing. The Lord is good. I have another passage that isn't up there on the screen. Matthew 28:20 says the second part of it and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus didn't just come to do the miracles, to do the big things in your life. And he came and he did and he finished it, but he hasn't left. That's the cool thing. We can still experience his authority through the Holy Spirit. We can still experience this good stuff through him even now. And he says, I am always with you to the very end of the age. And that we can hope for even in the mundane, even in the blah. He's here. He's good. He is good. We're going to have some prayer in the prayer cave and I want to pray before um, I step down. But if you need prayer, if you are struggling with something, you can go in the prayer cave, ask for that. Even demonic possession, you know, we, that's not something we necessarily talk about here at Scum, but it happens. So if you're struggling with that, 
in, in, in whatever oppression, feeling that weight, seek someone for prayer. If you just feel blah and you don't know how to engage with the Lord or engage with people, just pray. We have people that will pray, and uh, you can do that, and I'll pray for us right now. God, I'm, I'm so thankful that you love us so much. Even when I go five days without even acknowledging you, sometimes longer, so I get so caught up, swept up in just the daily stuff, God. I pray that in the mundane, in the times that we're going to work, going through the motions, doing the same old thing, God, that you just captivate our hearts, turn our eyes to you, that we could focus on you, and that we could worship you in the midst of all that. Thank you for your grace. And that we have it, that it's ours. You've already given it to us. God, help us to receive that grace and to acknowledge it and to acknowledge you in everything. The smallest things to the biggest stuff. I don't want to miss it. I don't want my brothers and sisters to miss it. So God, just fix our eyes on you. Wrap your arms around us and help us to feel your obviousness, even when it doesn't feel that you're that obvious. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. Be with us with every breath we take. Amen.